Welcome to another edition of the Star Podcast. My name is Bryson Treese, and the show is presented by InsideTheStar.com. Well, it is officially Free Agent Thursday in the NFL, which means that we have some things to talk about. Namely, Tony Romo. Been hearing a lot about him. Probably going to hear a lot more about him, too. Um, We've got that. We've also got a little bit of scouting combine coverage to go over and... We're going to just check out all of the free agency stuff that's that's going on. You know, we've got this stuff that's coming up here uh, today at 4 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 Central. And um, there's some questions still remaining. The Cowboys have a lot of free agents that are coming off the board. Uh, even after some recent moves, they've still got 19 total free agents of the 53-man roster that is coming down. Now, not quite all of those. There's a couple of those that weren't actually on any game day rosters or anything like that. So, it's still a pretty significant portion of them. So, I've got a few guests with me today. The first one is, uh, let's see, we got Zach Fields here with us from Pigskin Hub. Hello. Hello, Zach. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, haven't really heard you do much podcasting, I guess, since, what was that, 20, 2015 you did draft podcast with Jess? It's been a while. I, I had a kid. I had a baby and uh, have been taking a little time off. Yeah, you had a baby and your life ended. <laughs> at, le- at least for a few years, anyway. Yep. Uh, we've also got uh, staff writers Jess Haney and Kevin Brady with us. Jess, how are you doing today? Good, man. Ready to rock. Good, good. Kevin, what about you? Doing good. Ready to get into all the free agency talk. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a respite from that for a moment. We're going to talk about scouting combine. And mainly, I just want to get you guys, uh, get your thoughts on what's going on. Um, Obviously, you know, we can't talk about the combine without mentioning that record setting 40 time from Ross. What'd you guys think of that? It was something to see on tape, man. I just the the way he was running. I, I mean, you know, there's guys. Sometimes the difference between a four 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 and a four five something you can't really see it on tape. But man, just watching him run was something. And what did he have? A four two two. Four two two. Jumps right to the top of my my list. Uh, yeah, well, I think he jumps to the top of pretty much everybody's list. But he's not going to be around for us, is he, Kevin? No, and, and he was a name that I thought there might have been a chance he could fall to 28, but after running like that and, and looking as smooth as he did, I, I doubt it. Well, as far as the guys that uh, that did okay during the, the combine, I mean, who stood out to you, you know, especially guys that the Cowboys might actually have a chance to get? Well, one of the first names that I thought of was Hassan Reddick, the linebacker and the edge player from Temple. Um, he might have... Uh, risen himself now uh, towards more of the mid-first round, but especially with the news on Jalen Smith, you don't really know what's going on with the Cowboys linebackers at this time, and his broad jump, his vertical, his 40 were all impressive. He tested very smoothly, and he should make the move to linebacker really easily, and if Hassan Reddick is there at the 28th overall pick, I would love to have him in Dallas. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Sean Martin's scout report that he did on Reddick this morning on InsideTheStar.com and looked pretty impressive. What about you, Jess? You see anybody that stood out? Well, uh, Fabian Moreau, uh, the cornerback, had a uh, four four three five forty, which jumped out. And with his size on top of that, um, he was a guy who kind of was looking like a second to third round pick. He may now be in that late first round conversation or at least a guy you might trade back into the uh, – early second round and, and go after for, um, at cornerback. Um, and then, of course, Charles Harris, the defensive end who um, 
everyone's been linking to the Cowboys. He didn't do anything to hurt his. He may have solidified himself in that position. What about you, Zach? You agree with that on Harris? Yeah, you know, another guy I kind of like, and, and he's a he's a local guy uh, to where I live in Iowa, is uh, Desmond King. He's a, he's one of those cornerback uh, slash safety kind of hybrid guys. Um, you know, I, I, I was high on him last year. He decided to go back to college and go uh, have his senior year at Iowa. Um, didn't, didn't really hurt or help his draft stock, but he's another guy that could be around uh, at the end of the first round for us. Jess, was there anybody that you were hopeful would have a better showing than they did? Not particularly. Um, it no. was pre- it was pretty much uh, about what I expected from a lot of guys, and then there were some pleasant surprises. Nobody who I was looking at really had a bad day. Well, that covers the combine. Let's move on. That's over and done with, and we got a much bigger thing going today. Uh, first thing to go over is the Cowboys tendered an offer to exclusive rights free agent David Irving this week, and that's a deal worth 615000 for one year. So he's 23. He started to show some flashes, uh, especially against the Bays, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, the last couple of years. But he'll be locked in for the 2017 season now. We also have wide receiver Bryce Butler, who was signed to a one-year deal yesterday. Um, we don't quite have figures yet on that, uh, what he's going to cost for us, but it's still I, a good bargain sign. I do have those if you, if do you want you, them. Do you, Jess? What, what are the figures for his one-year deal? $1.1 million. $1.1 million, not too bad. Bargain. Did you notice anything about incentives or guaranteed or anything? Uh, the only ins- the only guaranteed I saw was about 300000 in guaranteed money. Uh, $1.1 million total. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. That gives him a bigger contract than he had. So, um, so th- those are two pieces that are taken care of, which is good. Now, the Cowboys don't have any restricted free agents. Um, and aside from Irving, the only uh, ERFA they have is uh, defensive tackle Richard Ash, which we signed him midseason last year, and he really hasn't had a chance to do much. So we'll get more. If he's around, we'll get to see him more throughout training camp and see if he's able to do anything. So the rest of it is unrestricted free agents. And like I said, there's 19 of them in all. That's 11 on defense and eight on offense that are left. And there, there's just so many of them. Let's just go down the list here. I'm going to name the guy, and you guys tell me if he stays or go. And we're just going to start in order. We're going to go Zach, Jess, then Kevin. All right, we're going to start with the cornerbacks. Morris Claiborne, if he stay or go? Goes. Jess? Uh, goes, too expensive. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Injuries and money. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that that's probably about right, and the market's just going to vault him. Uh, what we're expecting something like eight million a year, so that ain't going to work. What about Brandon Carr? Stays. He's played every snap. He's dependable. You know, if if you need a guy at uh, a value, that's probably the guy you go after to keep. Agreed. I think they want to keep him. Um, the question now is going to be the market. I think that. The value that you just talked about, other teams are going to see that too. So we'll we'll have to see. You think that he's going to fall into that same trap that Morris Claiborne is and just get his value pushed up too high for us? Uh, for for like the totally opposite reasons, it's like they could have equal value, one based on potential, one based on reliability, um, two to- two totally different routes to the same value. All right, and Kevin, 
Um, I've been siding with Jess here, but I'm starting to lean towards thinking he's going to be back, like with the reliability and you know he's been good enough here, and hopefully he can give a bit of a hometown discount to the Cowboys. Yeah, that would be kind of nice, but he already did that once taking right. a pay cut yeah, last absolutely. year. So, and you know, and I saw immediately after the season ended for the Cowboys that Brandon Carr had been thrown into that retirement conversation, but I don't remember clearly if he said for sure that he is not retiring. Does anybody anybody catch that? No, the last thing I saw was, um, he, and he threw himself into that conversation uh, with his own comments, and I haven't seen right. him say anything since. But I mean, he hasn't confirmed it one way or the other. Well, we'll have to see how that goes, and no doubt whatever his potential value is in 2017 will factor into that decision. Now, we've got Joshua Thomas, who's also a cornerback who's an unrestricted free agent. That's not a name that I'm very familiar with. I don't know if any of you guys are. He was the guy that we actually drafted, um, several, like I think in maybe 2013, um, 2012, somewhere in there, and he didn't even make the team that first year. He Then he bounced around the league a little bit. We brought him back. He was here last year as a depth guy, and uh, we brought him back again this year. And he's just he's just kind of been hanging around inactive most weeks. Um, I don't expect him back. Kind of a practice body more than anything. Pretty much. All right, well, let's move on to uh, safety. We got J.J. Wilcox, and we all know J.J. Wilcox was one of the most hair-pulling guys that we've ever seen on the Cowboys in his first couple of years. But in 2016, he he kind of started to win me over. I wasn't cursing him as much during the games, so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what's going to happen here. What do you think, uh, Zach? Is he going to stay or go? Well, I think you know you really want to keep one of J.J. Wilcox or Barry Church, and I, I think they'll keep J.J. Wilcox. He's a little younger, maybe maybe a little bit more upside. Um, Barry Church sounds like he's uh, he seems to be very interested in signing elsewhere. Yeah, there was a report, and we'll go ahead and just start both of these out there, Wilcox and Church. Um, there was a report earlier that the uh, uh, Jaguars are interested in him, and it's going to be something like, uh, what was it, four four years, six million a year? Yeah, something like that, yep. Yeah, something like that. And, I mean, really the way it's coming down, I don't think that the Cowboys even have a chance of matching that. No, not not for – I mean, you know, I really like Church, but, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'd pay him that kind of money. Yeah, I really like him too, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that much. It's just, it's just kind of a heartbreaker because we got Claiborne, Carr, Wilcox, and Church, and I mean, these are four of our five primary second uh, secondary guys. All right, primary secondary. I've been wordy with that all day, saying that over <laughs> and over. Primary secondary guys, um, and the fifth one, of course, being Byron Jones, who we don't have to worry about right now. But it, it just seems weird to have that entire secondary going into free agency, and we don't know if we're getting any of them back. No, and. You know, there's a few factors in there. Um, Anthony Brown is their ace in the hole at corner. I think I think they feel that way, um, and I, I, cer- I certainly would agree. Um, he looks like an absolute steal, and um, so they feel like I think with him and Orlando Scandrick, they've got two of their top three cornerback slots filled. So that leaves one hole, and then at safety, you've got Byron Jones, and I think they they may genuinely feel that the drop-off to Jeff Heath is not that big. Um, So I think they may feel like they have it covered way more than a lot of fans do. What about you, Kevin? What do you think about that? Yeah, they've trusted Jeff Heath these last couple of years to play some really meaningful snaps. So I I think they're okay with Jeff Heath. And we'll see what they have in Kayvon Frazier. I'm interested in see that. 
I liked him out of college. I thought it was a solid value pick in the sixth round. So we'll see how that goes. And then plus, uh, it's a deep draft with corners, and there's some quality safeties there as well. So they might be comfortable just going into this uh, free agency and draft period a little barren in the back end of the defense. Yeah, and that makes sense. It is a pretty deep draft class for the positions we need, but I I don't know. Let's go on to the next one. The next one, and I don't even need to say this name because we're not going to talk about it. We know what's going to happen with this pothead bum, and nothing against potheads, (laughs) you know, but he's a a disgrace to potheads. Rolando McClain, you lazy, full-of-talent sucker. I swear you were the most frustrating player ever. Had to get that out. Rolando McClain is not back with the Cowboys. Doubt he'll ever see another NFL snap. On to Justin Durant, the veteran <laughs> that we brought in to help cover our butts a little bit in 20, uh, 2015. Justin Durant, what do we think there, Zach? If he's uh, if he's on the roster next year, then we did something wrong this offseason. You think? Yeah. Is it that bad? It's You know, he's he's past his prime. He's, he's solid uh, for what we needed him for the time that he was here. But, you know, keep in mind, we had him here because he was our last option this last year. Yeah, that is true. But you also got to remember we're losing Andrew Gatchkar this year as well. Sure, yeah. I, I just I would like to think between, uh, between free agency and the draft, we could, we could go ahead and let this guy retire or whatever he's got to do. Not, nothing against him. I just, I just you know, I, I always hate going back to the well. You know, you release a guy, and then oh, you got to bring him back a few years later because you know you got thin at the linebacker position again. Yeah, but I think he served his purpose pretty well. But sure. as you said, there we, we may not even get a choice on that. He may retire. But Jess, what do you think? Um, big factor with linebacker is uh, Mark. Um, gosh, what, his last name always messes with me. Nazacha, I believe is how they're, how yeah. they're pronouncing it. Nazacha. I, I, I know how to spell it. I just don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, uh, that guy has the athleticism and the versatility to play. Uh, they've said all three positions. And he was looking really good in the 2016 preseason. So I think they they see him as the Durant replacement probably. Gatchkar, he has a lot of value as special teams. He followed uh, Rich Basaccia over here, our special teams right. coach from San Diego. Right. So he's a he's a favorite of his, and so he might get back here on a minimal deal, more for special teams than anything, but also some veteran depth. Well, and you also got a, a, a in addition to Mark, however you pronounce his last name, you've got uh, Damian Wilson. Yeah, he, he's German, but you know, some I, I wish you know Brian Broaddus or somebody would tell us how to pronounce his name. Um, so, but you've also got Damian Wilson, who has looked good. And I mean, he got completely slammed in 2015 after that play, that overtime play that lost us the game against the Saints. He never saw another snap the rest of the year. But in 2016, he came back and I was quite impressed with him. So I I tend to agree with Zach a little bit that we don't need to go back to um, – we don't need to go back to Justin Durant because we do have a couple of young guys who are probably starting to come into their own. But I don't know. What do you What do you think, Kevin? Uh, I wouldn't be against a one year deal for a guy like Justin Durant. Uh, I agree, though, that I would much rather see Damian Wilson get those snaps, or like you were saying, Mark Nezachoa, or however that's pronounced. Um, <laughs> Wilson did it. Wilson did a nice job, uh, particularly in the Minnesota Vikings game. He had a lot of splash plays that stuck out to me. So I would love to see what he'd be able to do um, if brought in. 
But yeah, I, I'm willing to let Justin Durant walk. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Gatchkar, though, because we're starting to get thin on that defense with the free agents that we're letting walk. So, A couple things to keep in mind, though, you, is if things work out with Jalen Smith, Anthony Hitchens is now a backup linebacker, and right. he, fills, he fills a depth spot. And then you've also got Kyle Wilbur under contract for one more year. So, I mean, we do have some bodies. Yeah, we do. And we've got some depth, and that'll work good in Marinelli's scheme, rotating guys around. So, I, I think I agree with that on Gatchkar, too. He's a he's a solid special teamer, and he's just got a – he's going to have a bargain contract. He's not going to command millions. So, I, I think I like that. All right, so on to the next one. We've got the defensive ends, Jack Crawford and Ryan Davis. Jack Crawford, I like – uh, I think he's been, you know, pretty solid. He didn't flash as much in 2016 as I would have liked after 2015, in which I think he did flash. But um, let's go down there. Uh, Zach, what do you got on Jack Crawford? I, I like him. I think they should keep him. Um, I, I don't know if he's on anyone's radar except for the Redskins because they kind of, you know, they kind of like to sign these uh, kind of middling defensive linemen from the Cowboys but uh mm-hmm. I, I'd like to keep him around I think they could keep him around for pretty cheap um you know I don't I don't you're not relying on him to start or anything but yeah go ahead and keep him and Jess I I like Jack Crawford a lot for uh, you know a guy who we had for about one million dollars last year he gives you you know two at least two positions on the defensive line that he can play and um I I do feel um, at least, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I've seen uh, several little things out there about him, though. I, I've seen about th- four or five different teams that his name's been linked to. I don't, you don't, I don't, you never know how much stock to put in that. But it seems like the word on him has gotten out a little more than it was last off season. So we may not be able to keep him. Right, Kevin. What do you got on Jack Crawford? Crawford is is really like the epitome of a Marinelli guy, and I, I think the Cowboys are going to do everything they can to keep him because. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago in a post on Inside the Star where they love players. Or, or they can move down and play the three-tech. They can play uh, strong side or weak side defensive end if needed, especially against the run. So I think Marinelli loves Crawford. I'm good with keeping Jab Crawford around. Um, he's not as pure of a pass rusher as uh, obviously we would like, but he's a solid piece in that rotational de- rotational end of the defensive line. Yeah, and it's a good run blocker, too. Uh, now, Ryan Davis, we, we didn't really get to see a lot of in 2016. I think he had, what, maybe 15 snaps throughout the whole season. Um, but I've seen a lot of people uh, talking about him in practices and all that, saying that he was a substantial talent that we needed to hang on to. What do you think about him, Zach? I, you know, I didn't get to, like you said, you know, we didn't get to see a ton of him last year. And, um, you know, he, he flashed a few things, so... I think when you're looking for depth, you know, he's one of, he's a guy that you you know, you probably want to keep around. Right. And Jess. I think that he is somebody, I mean, who definitely has talent and experience, but at this point he may just be odd man out, especially if, you know, we, we brought back David Irving, we got Mayawa, we've got Demarcus Lawrence, hopefully. Um, and then if we do end up adding uh, we, I mean, Jack Crawford, and then if we do end up adding anyone in the draft or free agency, there's there probably isn't space for him. Yeah, that's a good point on there. We are getting kind of loaded up on that. Kevin? That little bit of Ryan Davis we saw at the end of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I mean, it was pretty. It was, it was really good. 
Um, and if we could just get that peak Ryan Davis, that Tampa Bay Ryan Davis, and that Tampa Bay David Irving together, uh, you'd really be working <laughs> with something. But, but you know, we didn't see the consistency, and I, I have to think there's a reason that he wasn't getting the snaps uh, come game time. So you know, some like, of it was injury. He was hurt a fair bit last right, year too. That, that is true. And then uh, you know, obviously Gregory came back at the end of the year, and, and Demarcus Lawrence came back, but. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay with letting Ryan Davis walk, especially that I expect a defensive end to be drafted. Well, here's a question: Was Ryan Davis in the 2016 uh, training camp? No, he was added in September. He's with Jacksonville, correct? I believe. Okay, so does anybody he was either think... with Jacksonville or a free agent? Okay, so does anybody think that we bring him back on a low deal, at least through camp? to see how he develops now that he's had a year in the system. But, I mean, during the year, these young guys, they can't really get acclimated to the system as quickly as you'd like. So during the OTAs and training camp, do you think that there's a possibility the team takes a low-risk gamble on him, small-dollar amount, to bring him back? Sure, if he's sitting out there unsigned, why not? Do you think it'll be one of those if he's left on the market in two to three weeks? Yeah, I mean, we saw them, you know, sign Bryce Butler – you know, yesterday, but if um, Davis wants to see if he's still, I mean, he's only 28 and he has had some decent years on his uh, resume. So maybe he's trying to test the market, but that might send him running back to Dallas for a minimal deal. Okay. And moving over on the line, we got Terrell McLean. And I know that we've talked about him in, in, in spurts here and there. And what I hear from all of the guys at Inside the Star is that we like him, that we need him back, that he bounced back in 2016. So if that's the case, do you think he bounced back out of our price range? I, I've i heard uh, that he's he's got multiple teams interested in him, uh, one of which, going back to my, my last comment, one of which is the Redskins. Um, I think there's like four other teams. My guess is he's probably going to be bouncing right out of our price range. The Redskins don't even have a GM. How are they going to sign people right now? <laughs> well, they have a they, they have a GM. He just has problems staying upright. He's just drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like uh, McLean has passed us by. Uh, it's unfortunate because uh, he did look good last year, but I'm on it. I'm honestly, I don't, I'm not one of the guys who thinks we really, really need him back. Because by the end of the year, he was not um, making the same impact. And Malik Collins and David Irving were stepping up. We still have Cedric Thornton, who I think has now become underrated uh, because everyone's disappointed that you know we signed him to be a starter and he fell behind the other two guys. But that was more circumstantial than a slight on him. So I, I feel like we're okay. We're, we won't need McLean, and we certainly won't pay what he's going to get. Yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with that. What about you, Kev? Yeah, I got to echo everything Jess just said. I Terrell McLean had a great year, and it, it kind of sucks that uh, we stuck with him right while he was injured and, and was in and out of the lineup, and then he finally has a healthy season. Now he plays himself out of our price range, but that's how it works. Uh, more power to him. Go get paid. But uh, the Cowboys are going to be just fine, I think, there, especially I mean Malik Collins, he really came on last year. Five sacks his rookie season. I like Cedric Thornton. Uh, we re-signed David Irving, so we should be all right without him. Yeah, I think we can probably make do without him, plus the draft coming in. So, 
But then we get to the other question, which we really covered a lot last week. Um, so, uh, especially with uh, Jess and Kevin there. So, Zach, this will be more for you because you weren't in on that. We got the running back position. We got Darren McFadden. We got Lance Dunbar, both free agents right now. Who do you keep out of those two? Uh, if I if I had a choice out of those two, it's Darren McFadden, hands down, every day of the week. Um I don't know if it's going to shake out that way. I know uh, Jess and I have talked about uh, various free agent running backs that kind of look attractive. Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, guys that are probably going to be too expensive for us anyway. Way too expensive, yep. yeah. And and I think they're just going to end up going back to McFadden. Um, I, I just have this sneaking suspicion that they're going to try and keep uh, Lance Dunbar here and make this uh, this Barry Sanders uh no, a bit not to Barry Sanders, but Reggie Bush 2.0 kind of Darren Sproles thing out of him. I don't think it's going to work, but I don't know. They were they were stubbornly stuck on it all the way up until now, and I don't know. I have a bad feeling about it. But, I mean, he's coming off of a short prove-it deal anyway, and in 2016 he didn't prove it any more than he did in the years past. So I, I really don't right. want to see Lance Dunbar back here, but – that that question was prefaced on ignoring Alfred Morris, who is still under contract for another year. So, considering we have Elliott and Morris on there, is it still your choice that you want Darren McFadden? And do you keep Morris, or do you cut him, or you know, hang him out for trade bait? I the the only use that they have for Morris, in my opinion, would be if they wanted to put him at to convert him to fullback or something. I, I don't think he's a strong runner in this system. They already threw out there that they're trying to trade him, which I think I think Jess commented to me the other day. Well, that's basically as good as saying you're going to release him soon. So I I don't think it's going to happen, and and I'm fine with it. I really like Alfred Morris, uh, you know, as a, as a person, as a even as a running back. But I I think uh, if you're going to keep one or the other, it's going to be McFadden. I tend to agree on that. All right, so we're going to the next one, and this is, you know, everybody's favorite heartbreaker, former second-round pick, tight end, Gavin Escobar. And, Jess, I'm going to jump to you first on this one because I know you got things to say about Escobar. Um, I tell you, these second-round tight ends and our history with them. Is <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse. As sad as um, Tony Romo release day is, Second round tight end day is almost as sad. And if we ever draft another tight end anywhere above the third round, I'm not sure what I'll do. But <laughs> <laughs> as long as Jason wins here. I'll, I mean, Escobar, by the, by the end of August, or even by the beginning of August, had pretty much lost his job. Uh, and I, I honestly believe that if James Hanna and Jeff Swain were both healthy through the preseason, he would have been cut. I, I, I thoroughly believe that. But because Hanna got hurt, Escobar was able to hang around for experience depth. And then Swain got hurt, so now he was the number two tight end again. I mean, he's just been on borrowed time all year. And uh, good riddance. What about you, Zach? You know, I Jess and I have talked a lot about this, and we we have differing uh, opinions. I think on on uh, Gavin Escobar. I I think he's just another one of those second round tight ends that'll leave Dallas. Someone will give him a shot. He'll he'll have a you know a five seven hundred yard season, and we'll all be shocked. Our jaws will drop to the floor. Um, yeah, my, like Anthony Fasano did. Anthony Fasano, Mar- Marty B. 
Um, oh, Marty B. Why did you have to mention that? Marty, you know, we we even had a uh, Scott Chandler who he wasn't a guy we drafted, but he was a backup tight end here. Went on to have a couple seven hundred yard seasons. Um, you know, we're really good at developing tight ends for other people. One thing about Escobar, though, is that with Fasano and Bennett, they both came out of here with the reputation of being very good blockers. Blocking mm-hmm. has been why Escobar has not. Yeah. had a larger role in Dallas. So that could really hurt him. Well, you know, they the to me this whole drafting tight ends in the second round over the last decade has been a, a disconnect between what the owner wants and what the coaches want. You know, you have Jerry Jones always saying, We're gonna do these two tight end systems and we're gonna we're gonna have, you know, multiple receiving threats at tight end. Every coach we've had in Dallas, all they want out of that backup tight end is just for him to be a blocker and another uh, offensive lineman on the field. You know, it's I, I don't know what's gonna happen to uh, Gavin Escobar. It just wouldn't shock me if he if he goes off and someone gives him a legit opportunity. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me either. What about you, Kevin? Gavin Escobar is really like the uh, the looked apart all star for what a modern day red zone threat tight end could be the receiving threat. But the only time I've ever really seen him be any type of productive is with Tony Romo at quarterback. And I don't now that Tony Romo's gone, <laughs> we can let Gavin Escobar go. And I'm half kidding, but I am being serious that uh, you know I don't really see a place for Gavin Escobar here. All right. Now, I kind of agree with that. I've never been a big fan of Escobar. He seemed like he had all of the measurables that you want. He just didn't have the – and I don't I don't mean to insult the guy. I don't want to call him dumb or anything, but he just didn't seem to have the brains to put it together on the field. And, you know, maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe that wasn't. But let's go on to another guy, and this is a guy that I know that me and Jess were at least screaming at, and this was in the first game go out of bounds Terrence Williams Mr. T will I don't want to go out of bounds I can't catch with my hands to save my life what do we have for him Kevin he's gone he's gone gone he's gone gone. gone. and 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 I'm totally fine with that I don't have a lot we all saw him play we know he's the body catcher we know that he makes some boneheaded plays at sometimes uh, the, the Sunday night game against Chicago sticks out in my head where he's running down the middle of the field and gets stripped. I mean, they're uh, just... Yeah. But then he has he has had some, some high moments here. Um, but, but yeah, the boneheaded plays and, and the price tag is just going to be too much, at least from everything that I'm reading. I do have one sort of unrelated point here that I've been reading six to eight million dollars a year for Terrence Williams and Brandon Marshall just got six million a year for two years with the Giants, which... I mean, just kind of shocked me, but you know, I guess. Well, there was another. There, there was another thing I saw there in a comparison. It was between Bryce Butler and Brandon Marshall. Sam both had three touchdowns in twenty sixteen. So, you know, I'm. I I think you were trying to say that as in it's Brandon Marshall and he only got so much, so Williams ain't going to beat him. But I think it's going to go the other way around. I think Williams is going to beat him. Yeah, thirty three years old versus twenty eight years old will play a big part in that. Yeah, there is that too, and. You know, for me, it comes down to the fact that Williams just disappeared when Des Bryant was out, and not just in 2016. He disappears any time Des Bryant isn't on that field, which yeah. makes me think he can never be a number one. And when you talk about $8 million a year, to me, that's number one wide receiver pay. Absolutely. What do you think, Zach, Terrence Williams? Six to $8 million a year if he can get it. You know, more power to him. It's not going to be us paying it to him. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. Yeah. 
I kind of think we're all in agreement on that one. All right, let's go over to offensive guard. Oh, just because Terrence Williams has blocked me on Twitter, I don't get to talk about him? That's exactly (laughs) right. You know, I I asked him beforehand. He said, don't let that bastard Jess say nothing about me. All right. Jess always gets the players disgruntled. He's he's got these one liners and he just Yeah, Lawrence I, Lawrence Vickers once told me to F off on Twitter too. <laughs> yeah, but at least you didn't get punked by Cole Beasley this year. No. He he he, he hands out pumpkins like they're candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. No, we're we're gonna leave Terrence Williams because we know he's not back. The fact that they signed Bryce Butler, that guarantees he's not back. And mm-hmm. you know what? Let, let, let's go to that question for you, Jess. With Bryce Butler being signed, Terrence Williams, he's gone. We we are we are not going to even pay even close to what he's looking for. So, and for for you guys listening, the Terrence Williams issue is similar to the Demarco Murray issue a couple of years ago. The player is going to get more than we feel their value is, and that's all it comes down to. If Williams wanted to stay on a couple three million a year, we might actually keep him in the in the conversation at least, because as a number two, he's pretty good, you know. Our other wide receivers have had success with him out on the field, and that that's helpful. He's accounting just enough, and he steps up just enough. But with Bryce Butler being signed, do you think that he – and I don't want to say leapfrogs because Cole Beasley as a number three wide receiver is pretty much designated to that slot, and he's just the man in the slot. So I don't want to say he leapfrogs him, but he does. Do you think Bryce Butler is our number two? Well, see, that, those, that terminology gets complicated because – if we go by productivity, Cole Beasley is our number one. He had the most catches last year. Easily, yeah. And even if Des Bryant hadn't been injured, I think that still would have stayed. They would have at least been even. If, if Des Bryant had played the whole year, they probably would have had about the same number of catches. And so when we talk about our number two, our number, and then, of course, Jason Witten, however many catches he gobbles up. So there's talking about slots on the depth chart, but then there's also talking about actual productivity in terms of uh, first option, second option, third option for Dak Prescott. I don't think Terrence Williams has in the last few years been more than our fourth option. So Bryce Butler is our fourth option at 1.1 million. And I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I think that's good value for it. You guys agree, Zach and Kevin? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I think what the the Butler signing does also is that you don't have to reach in the draft in the first three rounds for a receiver, even though I do expect somebody to be taken. uh, You don't have to reach for that. Yeah, that's a good point, too. We definitely don't want to reach anymore for offensive guys right now. I think we're pretty well set at that. All right, now we're going over to the offensive line, and the guy everybody expected to be gone last year, Ronald Leary. There was no trade, in fact. And he is a free agent now. So, is there any question? Is he? Is there any chance he comes back? No. He, Say it all to get all together now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And and you know what? He, frankly, I I think he deserves better than than. You know, we we have Lyle Collins here. Um, we just signed this uh, Jonathan Cooper guy. Um, he's not going to get a chance to start, but he is a starting caliber guard. You know, he he should get a big contract while that knee holds out. Um, and and I, I'm actually I'm happy for him. I, I mm-hmm. hope he gets a nice you know good three or four year contract for twenty plus million dollars at least. Yeah, wishing I'm wishing him all the best on the way out. I I hope he I hope he lands a big payday. He deserves it. 
Although, you know, I'm kind of disgruntled about him. He never blocked us because I was too. I, I decided to keep my mouth shut and not really push it. But, I mean, you all remember Cowboys cast with Bobby Belt, and we were doing that last year. Mm-hmm. We had Ronald Leary set to come on the show, and he was all good, confirmed for like a week up to it. Even his wife confirmed for him. I mean, it, it was all set. And then it comes down to it, me and Bobby are just left waiting. He never showed up. And then we see the next night is when it finally aired. He actually went on Drew Pearson's show that the same time he was supposed to be on ours. Never bothered to say anything. Uh, Stuck up. Uh, such such low class. <laughs> but um, now I, I I tend to agree with that. I mean, it's just I, I hope he gets something kind of like what Parnell did last year. You know, he deserves it. Get way it more than Parnell game. did. Well, yeah, way more. But, I mean, Parnell was – the deal that he got was seen by many as a over – Oh, no, I'm saying Leary deserves it way more than Parnell did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He's He's been a great piece on, on our line, and I'm not worried about who we leave behind. I mean, Zach brought it up there. It's the other free agent at a guard we got to talk about. It's Jonathan Cooper, who we signed mid-year, and he really hasn't done much uh, – he just didn't – he wasn't called on to play much – you know, anytime we had backups in there on the line in 2016, it was at left tackle mostly, and that was Emmett Cleary that played that. So, you know, we've got Lyle Collins who's ready to go, and he started out the year as a starter. And then what was it, an injury, I believe, something to his knee or ankle? Foot. That foot. That's what it should keep going down, Bryson, keep going down. <laughs> All right. So, you know, he had an issue with his foot, and then Ronald Leary came back in, and it was just his job to lose at that point. I think Lyle Collins is probably ready to go at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. Jonathan Cooper, I think, you know, and we never can. Me and Jess were talking about this yesterday. We can't find any contract numbers for him for the deal that he signed with us. We can't find anything on it. Not spot track, not over the cap.com. None of them has any of that reported. Not the original articles that went out on DallasCowboys.com about him signing with the Cowboys. Nothing. So, I'm assuming it was a cheap deal, probably around 700000 range is what I'm guessing for his experience. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's, he's back up either way. They've got to re-sign him, though, because um, he mm-hmm. is a free agent. So uh, until that part gets done. I did find where Todd Archer wrote that um, he was signed simply through the end of the year, last year. So right. he got some prorated salary for because he was only around. I think we signed him like week seventeen or something like that. So he was only here for a few weeks. So yeah. they got to re-sign him. I think that what you'll see is they probably will, and then he will compete with Joe Looney, and if and he's probably going to have to see if he can play center um, to get a roster spot. And I'd like to see that actually because I don't. I'm not a big fan of Joe Looney. I don't know why. It seems like it's just like when he's out on the field, I'm paying attention to him for the wrong reasons. It's his face. It's it's it, his face. Is it his face? Yeah. And it's a stupid nickname Collinsworth gave him. <laughs> what was that? Jumbo Joe. I mean, I, Jumbo, uh, that sounds just like Chris Collinsworth. Cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> We're going to go to the next one. And, you know, I cracked up in week 17 because of this. Mark Sanchez, Mr. Butt Fumble. He basically butt fumbled again. I mean, he <laughs> ran into he ran into somebody and that ball came out. I, I think he got back on top of it, but it was hilarious. It was worth signing that bum just to see that one time in a meaningless game, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, I mean that that game validated every insult and meme and you name it about Mark Sanchez. He looked horrible. I'd rather have Tim Tebow. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> well, Tim Tebow about every baseball team. There, don't so. don't choke on it, there, bro. Yeah, that hurt, man. Don't ever say that. Again. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go on to a more serious note. And you know, and I almost thought about contacting him too to get him to come on so we could just discuss this properly. You know, we need Kellen Moore's fan club, Mr. George Johnson. George, if you're listening, hello. We love your comments, but at the same time, oh my God. <laughs> Kellen Moore. But he's watched him since high school, though. You know? Oh my God. High school. I, 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 I guarantee you, he has a bronze statue of Kellen Moore, probably in his bedroom. Life size. Life size. Or it's, like, it's Frodo four, Baggins. It's like we can't be sure. 11, they look the know? same. <laughs> It's 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 crazy, and if you guys haven't paid attention to the comment section, because it's been a while since Kellen Moore has been in any conversation, really. George Johnson is one of our readers, and you know we love him. He reads everything, and he loves to comment, and they're usually very thoughtful, you know, well-worded comments. It's just the man has said that Kellen Moore is better than Tony Romo, so mm-hmm. I, I can't I, I can't take a whole lot seriously with that. Tony Romo is a future Hall of Famer. Kellen Moore will never will be. So, Kellen Moore and Mark Sanchez. Sanchez is gone. Kellen Moore, I think, actually stays. What about you, Zach? I, I think there's a decent chance Kellen Moore stays just because of his history with Scott Linehan. Um, my problem is, I don't know, especially with them kind of courting Josh McCown right now, um, I, I don't know if there's a spot for him. I'd almost rather him go ahead and sign Josh McCown. He's he's a quality uh, veteran backup, and go ahead and draft a guy in the middle rounds. You know, not 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 a third round pick or a fourth round pick, maybe even just a just a de- developmental guy you can bring to camp, and maybe he'll get a roster spot. What do you think, Jess? Kellen Moore stays, goes. Mark Sanchez, he's gone. Uh, the only reason Mark Sanchez would stay is because apparently he and uh, Prescott had a really good rapport. You've been um, listening to RJ too much. <laughs> I I read it somewhere, um, and even a source as discreditable as RJ, you know, says something every now well, and then. But <laughs> I wouldn't say discreditable, man. That's just kidding. Cold. That's just cold. kidding. See, that's but, uh, why uh, that's why Jess gets blocked on Twitter. That's sad. Uh, my cheap shots. Well, you know, I think I can call the next person that's going to block you. <laughs> Hello, RJ. RJ Ochoa, please. Come on down. Block Jess. No, I'm just kidding. But um, that would be the only reason, is if the relationship with Prescott and Sanchez is something that actually has uh, tangible value that the coaches see. Uh, otherwise, no. Uh, Zach brought up the Josh McCown courtship, which would seem to knock out Kellen Moore. However... Um, why not have one guy who knows your system and one guy who's new to it and let them compete and then best guy wins the backup job. And I, I do agree with um, Zach. He and I have talked about um, wanting to move into more of a New England model of drafting, keeping that pipeline going, drafting quarterbacks here or there uh, for development. The Cowboys did not do that uh, for so long. We drafted Stephen McGee and that was it. So, you know, it'd be nice for us to be the team that gets to trade 
some quarterback to Cleveland for a first or second round pick every now and then. <laughs> yeah, but but you know Cleveland, they just have the market cornered on these big hype quarterbacks that don't do jack for them. Though I, you know, I, I like Josh McCown though. I think he's, I think he's a little underdeveloped, but I think he's got some potential more so than more so than Kellen Moore does, and I think they'll come on a similar contract too. As George would tell you, Kellen Moore is a beloved son of Scott Linehan. Kellen Moore is Lord thy God. <laughs> Who are you kidding? I mean, there's there's really... It's silly that we're even having this conversation because we know that Kellen Moore is going to shock the world and earn the starting job in Dallas in this year's training camp. He's going to play Dak Prescott right into oblivion. We know that I mean, George has already got this all planned out. Yeah, yeah. See, the problem is they... They didn't get to compete yet. Oh, know, cause, cause oh, that's the problem. Yeah, Kellen Moore got injured. It wasn't for a broken so. leg. Yep. It wasn't for a broken well, leg. He's your week one starter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know he didn't. That that didn't happen right away. I mean, him and Dak did compete a little bit. You know why nobody has ever been inducted into the Hall of Fame as an active player because Kellen Moore hasn't been given a chance yet. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Building your shrine as we speak, aren't you? <laughs> God, I, I really don't want them to bring him back just for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault, George. When your fan club is uh, is larger in numbers than the number of passing yards you have in your entire career, uh, that, right. that's a problem. And that's part of the reason I don't want Tebow either. But you know, though, it, in, 20, in all seriousness, in 2015, after Whedon and Castle... I honestly felt best that year with Moore at quarterback. It's not saying a lot putting him ahead of Whedon and Castle, but <laughs> I was calling. I was calling for Kellen Moore to come in that Jets game. And I'm thinking it cannot be worse than Matt Castle. And then first possession interception. I was like, well, maybe, maybe it can be worse than Matt Castle. I don't know. But no, I actually, no, that first interception, you know that it's got to happen. So you know, I was happy with it. Get that shit, get that out early. Yeah, right. He he yeah. was the best part of the poo poo platter of the 2015 quarterbacks. He was, he I mean, was. and at least it sure. felt it felt like you had a young guy in there. Maybe you're building for something. You know, it felt a little different than just throwing Matt Castle or Brandon Whedon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it felt a little bit different. But I, I, I like Jess's analogy there. He was the garnish on a plate of poo poo. <laughs> but I will I will say this about backup quarterback um, Josh McCount or whoever. Matt Castle broke my brain when it comes to backup quarterbacks because on paper he was everything. He should ha- I mean there was no reason to think he was the most eligible backup quarterback bachelor out there in that year. And so if you if he doesn't work out then there's really nothing you can tell me about anyone else who's out there, McCown, whoever that that guarantees that they're going to come in here and be good. I I can't believe it till I see it now. Yeah, well, I think that just speaks to the scheme that you run. Cause, but to me, Matt Castle had the – he still had the, the – is there such a thing as a positive stench? He had the positive stench of New England still on him. And it didn't matter what he did in Kansas City. It didn't matter why that broke. He still had that, and that's why he was viewed so good. I think that Bill Belichick's system lifted his value in everybody's eyes, and that just – it stayed for several years, and then we got him here, and we find out, no, he's really kind of a bust. But, all right, enough time on current free agents. Let's 
focus on what comes ahead. All right. Free agency opens today. Again, it's 4 o'clock Eastern. The Cowboys 2017 rookie pool, and that's something they have to worry about in the cap because that's the money used to sign the draft picks. The rookie pool for this year, based on their draft rounds and position, is roughly $5.3 million for seven draft picks. All right. Cowboys have just under $9 million in cap space right now, and that's thanks to restructure contracts of Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and Sean Lee from the other day. And there will be more coming, uh, mainly because of Tony Romo, and we'll see exactly how much that's going to end up being. So, 2016 starters, do you guys, out of all that list we just named off the starters from 2016, do you have any particular spots planned for any of them? Any of them that you think are just going to happen? I know Barry Church, we pretty much got him to the Jaguars. Carr, maybe. Brandon Carr's, I think, the only one that could be back in a starting role. Think so? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't see any of the other names coming back and, and starting. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, Brandon Carr. I mean, J.J. Wilcox doesn't really count because he wasn't really a starter, but he's, well, he's another was, guy. He, he started for a little while. you know. Well, he was a starter in 2015. Right. So, I mean, he's another guy, I think, you know, if they're, if they're not, uh, you know, if they're too afraid to let all of these guys go, um, maybe they bring him back and let him start next year. The Dallas Cowboys in free agency, and I know it drives all of you fans nuts, but they're not going to make a big splash in free agency. We've seen it time and time again. They do not go out in the early part of free agency and sign any of the big names that everybody's drooling over at the time. They've taken a few gambles here and there for a position of serious need, uh, which was kind of what they did with Greg Hardy, and look how that turned out. You know, so uh, he's... He just barely avoided a felony conviction the other day. Now, Stephen Jones was asked about this, and normally it's Jerry Jones. Stephen Jones is kind of a novelty for us, so we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit. He was asked about free agency and how that works at the Combine last week, and he had some choice words to say about player value. You talked about not being players for other teams for you. Your philosophy seems to have changed from that. Do you feel like that the last few years? Yeah, I just think you live and you learn. And, uh, you know, I've said it, you know, always about free agency. I mean, you, you know, sometimes you're required to use it, but you better go in with your eyes wide open that you're overpaying. You're going to pay good players like they're great, average players like they're good, low average players like they're average. I mean, it's just not a great way to build a football team. But, you know, sometimes there's situations that do present themselves and you got to be ready to do that if you see the right value there. But, you know, not a huge fan of having to go out and, you know, pay guys a lot of money, you know, filling big needs, uh, you know, through, you know, unrestricted free agency. We'd rather build through the draft and then pay our own players. And he brings up a good point. I mean, players get paid like good players get paid like great players in free agency. Uh, two examples of that are Terrence William, who, again, we're looking at him making probably six to eight million for 2017. And then you've also got Morris Claiborne, who, because of a thin market at cornerback, is going to end up getting paid more than he's probably worth. I mean, can you think of any day one or day two player who was actually worth the money they were paid? I think the Giants would say that Oliver Vernon lived up to his contract um, last year, but it is it is rare. Um, Ndamukong Soon has never really lived up to the one he got. Um, you know, you I mean, obviously there's like the Albert Hainsworth, but he was a glaring 
issue. Um, and yeah, he was the biggest. He was exactly who I was going to go to because he played that contract year to perfection, banked his hundred million, and he was done. And we've had our own issues with that. Um, Anthony Spencer always comes to mind when I think of contract year players. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, he he had that one big year, got paid, disappeared. Uh, some of that was injury, but he would. I mean, this is a guy who admitted in an interview. You know, I didn't play as hard before this contract year. I mean, he actually just came out and said it. So stuff like that, yeah, you do you do get worried about it. But big part of it isn't even players playing hard and fooling you. It's just the competitive market driving up prices, which is what we're going to see with. I think that's what we just saw with Barry Church and this Jacksonville deal. It's what's going to happen uh, with Terrell McLean. I still don't know if Terrence Williams is going to get the kind of money they're talking about because there's a lot of receivers out there, but um, we'll see. What about you, Kevin? Uh, Olivier Vernon was actually the example I was going to give of somebody living up to it. But even when you look at him, he's still overpaid, I think. like He's still not the caliber player of some of the guys that are getting that similar amount of money. But I think if you're going to overpay, you got to overpay the right positions. You know, the positions of value, whether that's an edge rusher like Vernon or a quarterback, which, I mean, we're seeing unbelievable quarterback numbers with the, I mean, Mike Glennon possibly getting $15 million a year somewhere. Um, But like Jess said, it's, it's what the market dictates and you're worth whatever the market says you're worth and players are going to take that money. Nobody's going to say, no, I don't want money to play football. So um, that's just how it works, but in terms of the overall philosophy, uh, I certainly side with how the Cowboys do things, even if it does kind of suck to sit around during free agency and see all these big names moving, and the Cowboys aren't really involved in much of it. Yeah, but I mean, look at how, look at last year, how that turned out. I mean, there was a big deal over Lamar Miller and coming out of Miami, and he ended up going to the Houston Texans, and I mean, what has he done? Oh, no, I, I completely agree with you that in the long run, it's 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 the right move. And like Stephen Jones said, good players get paid like great players. And But yeah, and it certainly worked out for him to, to build through the draft and then maintain and keep your own players. What about you, Zach? Can you think of anybody? Olivier Vernon's probably, I, I think Kevin was spot on. Um, it was a good signing for them. I think the guy's getting paid $18, $19 million a year. You know, to me, that's, that's double-digit sack money all day, and, and that's not who Vernon was for them even though he was a good player so uh i i don't mind sitting out the first week of free agency let let the crazy money uh go out the door first and and you know try to try to snag some value guys you know where else you get brandon carr no i got two names for you janoris jenkins and josh norman both going to nfc east teams last year how much did they pay jenkins wasn't it like four years 57 million or something like that i'm not sure it, it was yeah, a huge it was contract. A good fit, yeah, it for was sure. Yeah, it was a huge contract. They didn't get their value out of it. And Josh Norman, he actually didn't turn out as bad as he started to look. He finished the year better. But man, both of those are just products of their former teams. I mean, the scheme that they ran, they just excelled in that, and they got huge paydays for it. And they were untested, unproven. They didn't back it up on their new teams. Cornerbacks have have probably been the biggest liabilities in this in this whole free agent thing. You can go down the line of Namdi Asamoa when he signed with Philly. Uh, you can look at um, some of the stuff that's happened with Revis. 
Josh Norman, uh, Jenkins that you just mentioned. Um, I mean, it, it seems like they very much are, as, as you just said, products of a defense where once they get away from a really good front seven or really good safety help behind them, they're totally exposed. And I, I don't know why teams haven't figured that out. Um, to me, cornerbacks tend to always be overpaid based on having a, a good year or two. And I would avoid I would avoid cornerbacks in free agency like the plague if I could. Yeah, I mean, unless you get a, a you know a Darrell Revis, I mean that there there are some players that you kind of have to at least look at taking a chance on. I mean, you gotta you gotta hedge the bet a little bit I and mean, don't break the bank for him, but. Some guys, and not Darrell Revis now, Darrell Revis several years ago when he first left the Jets. But if the Cowboys aren't going to make a splash in the first week, then, I mean, do we have any good targets that we're looking at after week one? You know, some value guys like Gatchkar was a couple of years ago, um, and uh, like Jasper Brinkley was a few years before that. Do you have any of those targets that you're looking for that can fill a need on the team, Kevin? Yeah, well, I know everybody's sort of been talking about DeMarcus Ware, but another uh, aging defensive end that I was calling for so heavily last offseason would be Dwight Freeney. And, and I don't, he's only going to be a, a sort of a special down rusher. How much, he's nec- how much is he necessarily going to give you? Um, I don't know, but I do think it'll help these guys a lot, these younger rushers, to have a veteran presence like that. And I think it could be a value signing. What about you, Jess? I want to ask Kevin real quick, what do you think of Chris Long um, in that older DE mix with Ware and Freeney? Yeah, I think Chris Long fits the bill too. And uh, the only thing that worries me about Chris Long is that he seems to be leaving New England with the expectation that he's going to be an every down player somewhere else. And can he really, can he do that right now? Uh, we yeah. don't really have the answer that, to that because he wasn't that in New England. Um, but yeah, I like Chris Long for the Cowboys and I think he could be that mentor veteran player similar to how I would look at Dwight Freeney. I agree. I, th- I think that there's several options out there for that. Um, one name that I've seen uh, for a cornerback, if for some reason we can't get Carr back, is uh, Logan Ryan uh, from the Packers. Um, he's got he's had some, some nice years and seems like a guy who would fit our scheme pretty well. Um, but a lot of this is going to come down to who is actually sitting out there after a week or two and their price starts coming down. Um, there's, we really, it's hard to predict that. Yeah, I'll piggyback off uh, Kevin a little bit. I, I'm a big proponent of giving aging defensive linemen that one last contract. Um, and, and honestly, it's it's been a winning strategy for a lot of teams. Actually, uh, recently, you know, the Broncos had a lot of success with uh, Demarcus Ware. Um, looks like he might get himself another contract yet. Um, there's uh, Mario Williams. There's Julius Peppers. There's uh, uh, Chris Long. I mean, I and any one of these guys, I think, could step in and and play at least a you know a specialty pass rusher role. Um, they're not going to cost a lot of money. They're they're going to be probably really reliable. Um, you know, aside from. Uh, Ware just makes me nervous, you know, because he left here with a lot of injuries, had a lot of injuries in Denver, and he's, you know, three years older now. But um, it, honestly, any one of those guys, I, I would support taking in. 
But I think when you get into the veteran edge rushers, you're talking about guys that are going to be on the field a fraction of what they would have been, you know, five, ten years ago. They're not going to be relied upon as much, which should help some of their durability and stamina, which is, I mean, if we're talking about veterans, that's obviously what we're talking about. It's durability and stamina. And I think that there's a few good names in there that we could take a chance on. I know Ware has that romance of, you know, coming back to the Cowboys and ultimately retiring a Dallas Cowboy, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I like him over a Chris Long. So we'll just have to see how that shapes up. But I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode. And uh, I definitely want to thank uh, Zach, Jess, and Kevin for joining me on this. Uh, went a little bit longer than I planned to do here. But just want to see anybody have anything else they want to add. Uh, no, just happy free agency day. And uh, don't freak out. We'll sign somebody at some point. Don't freak out. We will have a team in September. <laughs> we will have 53 players. We will have 53 players in September. That's that's the best advice that you're going to get as a Dallas Cowboys fan. And, you know, we had to we had to talk about free agency and technically he's not part of it, but Tony Romo is a part of free agency come today. They're, you know, that that one's going to be done. So any final words for Tony Romo? I, you know, from, wow. from me, it's, it's just, I, I hate to say, like, I, <laughs> I I'm speechless, but <laughs> you, I, you know what? And, and, and you guys that are listening, you probably have heard it a few times, Zach and Jess saying that they were talking to each other about something the other day or recently, and they're good friends off of, you know, everything else. They've, they've done projects for a couple of years. So you get some of that. But what I'm also starting to get is they're kind of of one mind when it comes to Tony Romo. And Jess loves to give that man crap. <laughs> no, it's not that I, it's, it, no, you it's not, it's not that I like to give Tony Romo crap. I like to give Tony Romo's diehard fans crap. Yeah. But that, but see, that's reactionary. I got turned into a um, Tony Romo aggravating person because of the way people were acting about the quarterback situation last year with Dak Prescott. It was sort of like just after years and years of, of complaining that Tony Romo wasn't appreciated, they suddenly were like, we're just not going to appreciate Dak at all yeah. for, for that, what he's doing. Next and, time and Brady, it, no big deal. Next time Brady, it's, that's it. it oh Tony yeah, Romo he's just breaking better. every rookie record in the in NFL history. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it happens uh, all the time. <laughs> you, you, you got me and Jess riled up. Apparently, I'm sitting here thinking, man, maybe we need to, you know, go ahead and close this episode and we'll just fire up another one and we'll just have Tony Romo bashing going on. That way I have something that way I have something to burn. No, well, no. I, I, I don't jerks, want to end it like jerks. that. It, it's I I he has been, you know, he's been my one of my favorite players for so long. I I'm actually incredibly sad to see him go. I'm sad that uh, he's not going to take the TV broadcast stations up on their offer, their multi-million dollar offer, to uh, to to have him come be a broadcaster because, you know, it, seeing him in another uniform is going to be really rough for me, Jess, anybody really. Some a lot. I think that sometimes it has to do with age. Troy Aikman was the quarterback of my youth. But I never, you know, I didn't get to come in on Troy until he'd already won a Super Bowl. That was when I started really following football. I didn't get to watch one in fifteen Troy 
and enjoy his success that much more as a result of it. I would have loved to have been through all these ups and downs with Tony and to finally see him win a Super Bowl. Would have loved it. But unfortunately, it didn't go that way. And now we've got a guy who looks like he could get us back to uh, winning multiple Super Bowls in a single era. And um, I, I'm I'm just ready for to, to go along with him on the ride. And that's my problem with all of the Tony Romo talk is that it seems to be that nobody can separate praising Tony Romo right. from praising Dak Prescott. If you praise Romo, you're not dissing Prescott, but I hear a lot of the other way around. People are saying, well, Romo can't hack it. And, you know, the old familiar storylines, which are garbage to begin with, that he's a choke artist and this and that. That was all thrown up there, and Dak Prescott is this pristine, shiny new thing who could never be that. And because of that, the Cowboys now have a chance to get back to the Super Bowl. Cowboys have a chance to get back to the Super Bowl with Tony Romo or with Dak Prescott because look at the last year that Tony Romo was fully healthy, and you know what? We don't know what's going to happen with Romo. He, he His body may just be done. It, it may not. He may have just had a bad year because we've seen players have bad years like that. You know, I mean... It, it just happened. So, going back to his last meaningful season, which was 2014, how did it end? How did that game end? Exactly the exactly the same way as 2016 did with Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at 2014 was the year. Like that's how, kind of how I feel about it. That was the year. That was Tony Romo's year to get his Super Bowl, and it got yes. stolen from us by either a bad a bad call on Dez's catch. By our complete lack of pass rush, whatever your theory is on why we lost that game, it got stolen from Tony Romo one way or the other. So I hate that for him. I really, really do. I hope and pray that if the Dallas Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl next year, Tony Romo does. Oh, yeah. I don't care if Romo goes to Houston or not. Not to hate the Houston Texans. Um, I live in Dallas, you know, so unlike the rest of you, I was born into this rivalry. I hated the Houston Oilers, and I don't like the Houston Texans any better. So, with that said, if Romo ends up in Houston, I'm going to be watching Cowboys and the Texans every week. And they're going to win that Governor's Cup, man. Look out! You know what? I I I, I'm going to be so conflicted. I'm just going to split right in two in front of my TV. You know, I, I actually bought, and you know, and I'm really slow about buying these things. I don't buy a lot of jerseys and crap like that, but I did buy both a Tony Romo Navy jersey and a white Dak Prescott jersey, and this was around Thanksgiving this past year. I haven't worn either of them yet because I can't wear them on game day. Game day, it's a jinx. If I wear a jersey, Cowboys lose every freaking time. <laughs> and I mean, Please it's stop. like, well, no, I mean, it's even precise. Going back to what was it, week four against the 49ers in 2016. They were getting their butts whooped until I go to step outside to have a cigarette outside of the bar, and I, I you know what, we were we were doing a watching party with the Bobby Belt and all those guys. So I step outside from that. I take the jersey off outside. I go back in, and the Cowboys scored a touchdown, and they just kept going from there. So I mean, it's like I, I hate this superstitious crap, but at the same time, it kind of works. So. I haven't gotten to wear it today. I'm wearing my Tony Romo jersey, so I can at least say I wore it at least one day while he's a cowboy. Well, I'm happy for you. It's sad. <laughs> it is so sad. Oh, it's it's rough. It's rough. <sighs> but yeah, I will say, it, it, I will say that we, you know, for his entire career, pretty much, there was a large section of Cowboys fans that really tried to bring him down and, and told me how bad he was. And I, I just want 
this Dak Prescott career, no matter how it goes, whether this year is the year they get back to the Super Bowl or if that doesn't come for five, six, seven more years or if it doesn't come at all, that we know he's a good quarterback and that we don't just have our fan base sitting here trying to tear down our starting quarterback because we really do need to appreciate what we have in what we had in Romo and what we now have in Dak. Yeah, Tony Romo was a very polarizing figure on a team, you know, so I, I definitely understand that. Whatever happens with him, I hope he ends up in a place where he can do some good. I feel about him the same way I feel about Ronald Leary. They deserve to be able to get something done, go out and get it. You know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna root for Leary's team, but I'll root for Romo's team. But that's gonna do it for today. I wanna thank everybody for listening. What? What? I said it might be the same team. Denver Broncos. <laughs> might be the same you really think so. It might be the same team, huh? Maybe. Maybe. I got a weird hunch. Yeah, it could be. The Broncos could use some help on that offense, but I don't know how their guard position is, but the line I know needs a little bit of help. All right, once again, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Zach, again, he's the founder of pigskinhub.com, which also has a Android Cowboys news app, which you can find on the Android Play Marketplace. Just search for Cowboys News, and you should find it there. Again, it's from Pigskin Hub. And uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Pigskin Hub. You can follow Jess on Twitter at Cowboys Addicts and Kevin at Kevin Brady88. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with more. Thank you very much and go Cowboys. Inside the Star podcast is a production of InsideTheStar.com, an affiliate of Slant Sports Digital.